Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. I'm joining you in this short sermon series that you're doing called Therefore Go. Or as I was reading it, I was like, therefore, go! There's an exclamation point on the end of that go. We're commanded to go. And as Jason was saying specifically today, we are talking about what it means to go locally. And I promise you, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to what it means to go locally. But I believe there is something crucial for us to impact before we land there. And that is that God has a deep love for you. God has a deep love for all of humankind. And his love for humanity is literally beyond measure. It's beyond our comprehension. And God's word, the Bible, tells us that God deeply cares for the pinnacle of his creation. And that is you, human beings, people. That's who God's heart beats for. And you didn't do anything at all to deserve the love that God lavishes on you. It's not because of your skills. It's not because of your physical appearance. It's not because of the job you hold. It's not because of your bank account, surely not my bank account. It's not because of your position within society. The reason that God loves you dearly is because God is good. And God is love. And so he has chosen to pour out his love on us, on people. And so the question I have for you this morning is, if that is the heart of God, to love people so intensely, what does that mean for you? What does that mean for us? What does it mean for you? If you have an interest in knowing what it means to be in a relationship with Jesus, to acknowledge Jesus as your Savior and Lord, well, it means that you need to love people. What does it mean if you have already committed your life to the Lord and you want to grow deeper in your relationship with him? It means that you also need to love people. We're commanded to love people. It's one of the ways that we are identified as disciples of Jesus Christ through loving people. And so I want to encourage you. We're going to go through a very familiar passage of scripture. It's on the sheets that you have. It's Luke 10:25. And I want to encourage you to read this along with me. Luke 10:25, verse 25 says, "On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life?" Now, This expert in the law is not a corporate lawyer. This is not an expert in criminal law. This is an expert in the Mosaic law, in the law of God. 
And so he knows the Old Testament forward and backward. That's the scripture that Jesus and the people of that day had to know what God's word was. And we are given a, a very big clue here that his motives are not pure. It says that he is testing Jesus with this question. He's looking to trap Jesus, looking to have Jesus say something that will get him persecuted. Jesus responds to him in verse 26, well, what is written in the law? How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this, and you will live. And so the expert of the law knew the answer to the question that he was asking. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And in case you missed this in scripture, this is a summary of the law. This is a summary of the Ten Commandments. So the first half of the Ten Commandments is all about loving God with your mind, soul, strength, and the second half of the Ten Commandments is all about loving your neighbor as yourself. And so he says, this is what we're called to do. And Jesus says, yep, that's it. Do that and you'll have life. But his motives are not pure. And we are confirmed in this because in verse 29 it says, he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor. So now he's gone from asking how he can inherit eternal life, which inherently that question is wrong. We'll get there. But now he wants to know who is his neighbor. And Jesus is going to explain to him a parable. And often Jewish teachers, the rabbis, would use these stories that were very practical, that related to real life things that people would experience to put color, to put flesh to a concept that might be abstract. And so Jesus says in verse 30, in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of clothes, they beat him, went on their way, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to a place and saw him, passed by on the other side. And so Jesus is beginning to tell this parable of a man who's traveling, an indescript man. We don't know if this man is Jewish or not. We don't know if he's a good person or a bad person. He is a nameless man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he is robbed, left for dead, naked, probably with just his undergarments on, bleeding. They thought he was dead. And the people that were listening to this, the expert of the law, knew this road from Jerusalem to Jericho that the man was traveling on. Jerusalem sits about 2,000 feet above sea level, and Jericho sits about 300 feet below sea level. So the elevation is drastic in change when you're traveling on this road. It's jagged. There are rocks. There are lots of places for people to hide and ambush travelers. And that's what happens to him. But then a priest and a Levite come by on the road. It sounds like a bad bar joke, but it is not. 
And so here come a priest and a Levi, and they represent the Jewish people. They represent this expert of the law. Now, the fact that the Levite and the priest pass by is not shocking to the listeners of this story. There are many reasons why they may have passed by him. They may have thought that they were being set up, that this man was pretending, and that if they would have gone to help him, then other robbers would have came out and got him. They may have passed him by because they didn't want to become ceremonially unclean as they were traveling to worship at the temple. But the bottom line is these people who know God's word, know his law, know his command to love, walk past this individual. But Jesus says something that is shocking. In verse number 33, says, But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and he saw him, and he took pity on him. Now, the Samaritans and the Jews, they were mortal enemies. The Samaritans were half-breeds of Jews and Gentiles. They were formed when the people of God were in exile in Assyria. And they were always fighting. They didn't agree about how they should worship God. And the Jews would basically think that nothing good could come out of Samaria. Kind of like we feel like nothing good comes out of Chicago. Oh, 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 my bad, my bad. (laughs) And so they were always at odds. And it would have been shocking even for Jesus to use a Samaritan in a story, let alone show that the Samaritan showed compassion on this man. But Jesus continues, and he said he went to him. He bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. When I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you have. Now, this is extraordinary. I think too many times we read scripture and we just like breeze through this. But I want you to imagine for a second that you're driving down the street and you see a naked, bleeding man who looks like he's dead. And you pull over your vehicle, you get out all of your best first aid supplies, you put them on him, you bandage him up, you put him bleeding in your car, you're driving around looking for an end, a hotel, and this was dangerous in that day, there were no Super 8s, there were no Motel 6s, there were no Holiday Inn Expresses, and then he gets him there. And he spends the night with him. Scripture says that the next day, he spent the night with this stranger. And then he goes and he gives the innkeeper two denarii, which we know from Scripture is two days worth of working wages. So not only does he take care of this man, spends the night with a stranger, pays for his stay at this inn, gives the innkeeper two days worth of wages, but he says, you know what? I'm going to open an extra tab, and whatever expense he incurs, when I get back, I'll take care of it. This is unbelievable. I don't know if you've ever done that, but I certainly have not. And then Jesus continues, and he says, which of the three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? 
Jesus has pretty much painted him into a corner. I mean, we don't know why the Levite or the priest left the man on the side of the road, but it's pretty clear that the Samaritan is the one who is the good neighbor. And so the expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. And that's where we're left. We don't know what happens in the life of the expert of the law. We don't know if he lives his life according to this teaching that Jesus schools him on. We don't know if he embraces Jesus. But more importantly, do we embrace this teaching of Jesus? Because I would challenge that it is a lot harder to apply in our lives than we think it is. And so I want to cover a few things that we can learn from this parable. First is we need to change our vocab. The word neighbor in our language, it it applies to a geographical location, someone that is in proximity close to you. But in God's language, in kingdom language, a neighbor is everyone. Every single human being is our neighbor. And so we don't have a choice who we love. We are commanded to love every human being, whether they're a foreigner, whether they're able-bodied or disabled, regardless of their political affiliation, regardless of their social status, regardless of their ethnicity or their culture, we do not get to choose who we love. Everyone is our neighbor in God's kingdom language. The other thing that this parable is not telling us is it's not prescribing how we should treat people. This is not saying that when you leave here today that you go and drive and look for someone who's homeless and then pick them up and then take them to an inn and then take care of them overnight and then pay two days wages. If you have two days wages just to give up, please see me after the service. Um, This is not prescribing how we should treat people. This is describing the love of our God. This is describing the love that God has for us. This isn't a romantic love. This isn't a physical attraction. This is agape love, unconditional love, sacrificial love, divine love, love that the Bible says is patient, love that is kind, that's truthful, that's never selfish, that's always trusting, always believing, always hopeful, always enduring, This isn't a love that's jealous or boastful or arrogant or angry. This is God's love, true love that never fails. This is the love that God displayed when he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to live among us. God in flesh. And I would suggest that we are the traveler that's on the side of the road. We're the ones that are nearly dead or dead, bleeding. But God was more than aware of our condition. And that's because God knows our sinful nature. 
He knows that we are literally on a path of death and destruction. Just like any traveler that traveled that road from Jerusalem to Jericho, it was almost a guarantee. They called it the bloody road, that you would be robbed, that there would be harm that comes to you. And because of our sinful nature, when we are born into this world, we are on a path of death and destruction. But God, but God took the initiative. He had compassion for us. He didn't walk past us on the other side of the road. He came and he met us where we were at. In our dysfunction, in our sin, in our bleeding, and in our brokenness. God showed us that his unconditional love, his sacrificial love, by sending his son Jesus to live, to die, to be tortured, to be brutally beaten on our behalf the work of the cross, to pay our debt. And this was in order that we could become a new creation. And it's interesting that the expert of the law is asking about eternal life because we have a promise of a new life right now, a new spirit, a new creation, that we are restored in our Father's house, in the inn, and the innkeeper is God, our Father. But there's more good news. Because Scripture tells us that God sealed us, that he marked us with a deposit. And it wasn't two days' wages. God sealed us with his very best. He sealed us with his Spirit. And so we have the Holy Spirit given to us to enable us, to give us the means to love our neighbor as ourself. This type of love, to love our neighbor as ourself, unconditionally, is only possible when we abide in Christ. And so what can we do? How can we love our neighbors? How can we love other people? I would suggest that we can best do this by imitating our daddy, our heavenly father. We need to be aware. We need to take initiative. We need to love radically. And we need to give our best. We need to be aware. We have to be aware of about what's going on around us in our families, at our workplace, in our schools, in our communities, there are people who are hurting and broken and bleeding. And so we have to pray that God would open our heart and open our eyes to see the pain, the hurt, the hopelessness that people are living in, in our world, in our sphere of influence. But it's not enough to just be aware of what's going on. We have to take initiative. We have to take action. We can't just sit on our hands. We have to meet people where they are at. We don't need to throw a Bible at them. We don't need to beat them up with scripture. We can just simply love them. Love them with the unconditional love that Jesus has shown us first. That Christ, through us, through those who know Jesus, Showing the love of God. And this isn't just about going through the motions. 
This isn't just about loving people because Pastor Nick or Pastor Jason or that tall guy. It's like, don't bring him back. You telling me I got to love these people? <laughs> this is about a genuine love. And for some of us, we may actually have to ask God to change our hearts. We may have to pray to ask God to search our hearts to find in us what is it about how we have been created that what hurts have we had in our past in which we can't love people who are not like us, who share differing opinions, who have different backgrounds. Jesus also instructs us to give our best. We have to give our best in everything we do. We can't be lazy. When we serve God, we are required to give the best of our time, to give the best of our energy, to give the best of our finances, and to give the best of our resources. We need to keep our eyes open, our hearts soft, our schedules open, so that we can be prepared for the divine appointments that Jesus gives us to make disciples of Jesus. We need to make disciples of Jesus as we love other people. Jesus didn't give us his leftovers. He gave us his best. He gave us his very life. He gave us his spirit. And so as we are led by the spirit of God and we follow his promptings to serve and love, we love. We love in a way that we cannot do in our own strength. We love in a way that makes no task beneath us. We love in a way that no person is ever unworthy. 1 John 4, 10 through 11 says this, This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. And so I want to encourage you and challenge you today that you can proclaim Jesus Christ by loving another individual. We glorify God when we love people the way that he loves people. God is glorified when we love the way we're supposed to love because it can only be done in his strength. And church, I can assure you that loving people is not an easy task. <laughs> I've worked in the community for many years. It's messy loving people. It can be challenging loving people. And it is going to require you to sacrifice. As Pastor Jason was preaching last week, you need to count the cost. Because there is a cost in loving people the way that God wants you to love them. But Loving people is good. Loving people is fulfilling. And loving people marks us as followers of Christ. So therefore, go. <laughs> go and do likewise. Go. Go and love your family, even the ones that are irritating you. Go. Go and love your neighbors that live next door that think differently than you. Go. Go and love your peers in your workplace and in your schools who have different backgrounds than you. Go. 
Go and love people that the society tells you are your enemies. Go. Go and love the people that society says are not worth it, that can never change, that are dead weight. Go and do likewise. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering. For service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world, visit us at mosaicwi.com.